It is fantastic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Gary. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. That's at CFR, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. And joining me as always. I am Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter, R-E-A-L-J-U-V-E-I-N-O, Real J Uvino. So the Bills are coming off of their largest victory of the season after they beat the Miami Dolphins 37-20 to in Miami. The Bills offense had an absolute astounding showing, their best showing of the season. Now, before I get into my thoughts, Jeff, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Well, we've complained about the Bills' offense for as long as I can remember, and they went out and shut us up. You know, they, they played really well. Um, Josh Allen and John Brown both had huge days. Um, they, they, and the Bills really look good in all offensive aspects. And if Brian Dable is coaching for his job, he just improved his standing a whole lot on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And the biggest thing I came away thinking was everything that could have gone wrong against the Browns did. You saw Hauschka miss field goals. You saw the running game with the run defense kind of get gashed a little bit. You saw Josh Allen make a few errant throws, not none that led to turnovers, but a few errant throws nonetheless. You saw the play calling have a really bad day, as we outlined on last week's episode. And then this week they took a whole 180. You saw every facet of the team that struggled in against the Browns improve against the Dolphins, as you would hope against a team of the Dolphins' caliber. Now, the Dolphins had won two straight coming into that game. And really the word throughout the week that I, at least the word in my opinion throughout the week was fearless. You heard Sean McDermott say it. You heard Brian Dable say it. You heard Josh Allen say it. And while the, it took the offense about two and a half quarters to catch up with the whole fearless thing, but the defense came out lights out and they were playing fearless from first quarter to last. And it was really impressive. Now I, I'm one of those people that I don't really know how much substance I can give to this because Yes, it is absolutely 110% promising to see the Bills handle the Dolphins in the variety of which that we hoped. Because I said it on Twitter during the third quarter of the game. This Dolphins game was exactly what we had all hoped or expected it to be the first time around when they played in Orchard Park. But we saw it however many weeks later in Miami. So, yes, it was very promising and encouraging to see the Bills take care of business in the way that they did. But I'm really hoping that it wasn't a fluke effort. I thought this was a good bounce back game. I mean, you, when you look at the schedule, that's what you want the Miami game to be. You know, you want to go out, um, have your offense have a good day, your defense have a good day. And it was a game to, to regroup and gain some confidence. Um, you know, we all know that that's not how it always goes in a game like this. It doesn't always go like it's supposed to. You're not always going to go out and kill them. We saw that, as you said, the last time that the Bills played Miami. So it was good that that's what the Bills were able to do is come out and have a good bounce back game and this game go the way it was supposed to. Because I think for a lot of Bills games so far this year, it hasn't really gone the way it was supposed to. Now, the thing is with this game is, as you mentioned, it was a confidence builder. This is a game that the Bills really needed. They really needed to have this game in the season to kind of give them that bounce back. Because after losing two of the last three, it all, all their struggles started after they played Miami. Now, you walk into Miami, you dominate in practically every facet, maybe other than special teams. Point being, the team got a confidence booster in this game. And given the tougher latter portion of the schedule, this was a confidence builder that you needed. 
And that's why I really hope it wasn't fluky and it's just more an, an indicator of what's to come as they play another quote-unquote inferior opponent, Denver, this upcoming week. Yeah, I said my key to the Bills' victory this past weekend as the Dolphins was finishing drives, which they weren't really doing early in the game. You know, three of the first four drives ended in field goals, but they proved that later in the game that didn't really matter because they just kept scoring points. Um, I thought the house guy had a big bounce back day, which is big for his confidence. You know, confidence is such an underrated thing with kickers that it was good for house to be able to nail a couple of manageable field goals, um, you know, get practice, hitting extra points and get back to where he hopefully needs to be. You smile when I say extra points, but you can't miss a damn extra point. And when your confidence is low, it happens. And that can really screw you over. It went um, for 50. What's that? It was 50. I think it was either 50 or 51, but his first field goal was a 50 plus. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he made some field goals, but then the, he also kicked some extra points because the Bills scored three touchdowns or four touchdowns or four touchdowns. Yeah. So yeah. good bounce back day for him. Good day for the defense. I don't think that the kick return really matters. You know, I mean, that's bound to happen once a year. If that's when it is and great. That returner, I don't remember his name. He was really Grant. fast. Jakeem Grant. Yeah. He had that play where the Dolphins scored their, um, their one touchdown on offense that he just zoomed into the end zone. No one was he looks like a, I know it's kind of coincidental since they both wear the same number, but he's kind of the Dolphins' Isaiah McKenzie, at least, at least in my mind. That's what he looks like when he handles the ball, if you're asking me. But one of the most interesting things that we came out of this game seeing was Brian Dable, his move up to the press box. And it, it got me thinking. Could this potentially be because of interior frustration between him and Josh Allen? Because we haven't seen Brian Dable in the press box since Nate Peterman's debacle against the Baltimore Ravens last year. And a lot of people said that, oh, he needs to move down there to mentor Josh Allen. And then you see Josh Allen struggle in certain games. To take the New England game as an example, where you see Brian Dable absolutely railing into Josh Allen. By no means am I not an advocate for a good ass chewing for a quarter for not even a quarterback for any football player, but not everybody responds well to that by no means. Not everybody responds well to a coach in your face. telling you what you did wrong over and over again. Just whatever, whatever have you, not everybody responds well to that type of coaching and maybe Josh Allen doesn't. So we see Brian Dable move up into the press box. Obviously there's a lot of factors that come into the bills offensive explosion this week. You get Brian Dable moving up to the press box. You have Josh Allen playing against the team he has had the most success against in his one and a half years of his career. You're, you're playing one of the worst defenses in the league. So there's, a, there's quite a few factors that go into Josh Allen's off good game this past week. I'm just wondering how much substance we can give to Brian Dable moving up into the press box. Well, Dable said that he thought he could see the field better up there, um, stuff like that, you know, just your generic press conference answers of saying this might be why you know, it's better for me to be up there. That's why we had success. And obviously he's not going to say it's because of um, disagreements that him and Allen has said him and Allen had, and Allen's not going to say that either. And um, you know, I, I'm interested, I would be interested to think what Josh Allen really thinks of that, of whether if he thought it was, it was easier um, with Dable up there or it was tougher. If he thought Dable called better plays, Obviously, we probably won't get that because Allen's just going to – he's the type of guy who's just going to give your – you know, your, you're going to throw him a softball and he's just going to hit it. He's not going to he's not gonna give you a meaty answer. He's just going to say what you want to hear. He's one of those guys. So I'd, I'm really interested to think what Allen's actual opinion is on that. And as media members, 
that's one of the things that we have to try to figure out. That's our job is because the players aren't going to come right out and tell it to us. The bills aren't going to come right out and give us that information. It's up to our speculation and it's up to us to give our opinion on it. And I think that Allen probably got confidence from Dable up there this week. It's, it's something that's different. Even if it's one little thing that might not even matter, it's, it gets your mind thinking, okay, now that he's up there, things are different, and they found success. And it doesn't matter who it was against because they've played bad defenses all year, and they haven't found as much success. So I don't care that it's against the Dolphins. I think that if Allen's more comfortable than that with that in this week, I'm not saying that the offense is going to completely turn it around and play well, but I think that it's something you can definitely build off of. And at this point in the season, we've been looking for anything, absolutely anything, like this to build off of that can be kind of a thing to get the offense going. And if it's something stupid, like moving up to the press box, I'm all for it. This is really, because with everything you just said, it reminds me of a point that I wanted to make. That being that this was really the first game where you see Josh Allen kind of quote unquote, put it together. Now I'm not saying by any means that he had one of the best days that we've seen from a quarterback ever. No, I'm not. But point being that the latter portion of last season, you would see Josh Allen go cowboy. And even in the early part of this year, the first month of the season or so, you would see Josh Allen go cowboy. Now, while what I mean by that is he attempts a play that he should. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Overall, the play style is overly aggressive. You're trying to make a play with the football, and it's either going to go your way in a very significant way or it's going to go against you in a very significant way. And then the last handful of weeks, you see Josh Allen start to become more efficient with the football. You start to see him turn over the ball less, stay in the pocket, not scramble as much. And you start to see him become more of a game manager of such. And now here you are visiting the Dolphins. Brian Dable's removed from the sideline. And that was a, that was a point of speculation that many of us had for many weeks. What is going on with Josh Allen? It doesn't look like he has the confidence. It doesn't look like he has the swagger he once had. It looks like someone has honed him in. Well, Brian Dable moves up to the press box, and then we see the kind of combination of play styles that we have been hoping to see from Josh Allen. Yes, he missed a few balls in the flats. He missed. There are three or four passes that you can nitpick from that game that he should make that are concerning misses that inevitably led to punt drives that ended in a punt. Of course, there is always going to be something bad that you can take away from a football game. But overall, what I saw was Josh Allen combine the two play styles that we have seen from him. We saw the efficient quarterback that can complete the short area, the short area passes and complete the intermediate passes and also, and also go through his progressions and take time and find the open receiver downfield. And then we also saw the player that can just be a straight-out baller and make a play with the football. That was the most promising thing that I saw from Josh Allen in this game, and I think it's absolutely relative that, jo- that Brian Dable was removed from the sideline in, this first, in the performance of such. Yeah, and he wasn't afraid to use his legs either, which I've always liked out of Allen. You know, I like when he plays aggressive because it's a fine line between him being a game manager and him, him taking too many risks and it leading to negative outcomes for the Bills. Because they had Tyrod Taylor was a game manager. He didn't turn the ball over. I mean, we're bound to say at some point in this podcast that Josh Allen hasn't thrown a pick in five games. You know, we haven't said it yet. There it is. Allen hasn't thrown a pick in five games. That's a great stat. I love that. But, you know, who else didn't turn the ball over? Taylor. I understand that we're throwing a lot more than we did with Taylor. We've been probably through 19 times a game with him. Now we're throwing 30-something. But we want Allen to take care of the ball and 
you know, not turn the ball over and manage the game well, but we also want him to be aggressive and make plays because if he's going to, if, if he's ever going to throw for 300 yards in a game, like normal NFL teams do, then he's bound to turn the ball over. It happens. You know, the NFL defenses are really good. It happens. You turn the ball over. It's a, it's a fine line between Allen controlling the ball and Allen making, making aggressive plays. And I'm sure that at some point in his career, because he has to, he'll figure that out. He'll find that fine line. If he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback, he'll find the sweet spot between, you know, taking care of the football enough to win games um, and, you know, being able to make enough plays to win games. And um, I think that that's been part of his pro- his progression this year. Early in the year, he was that aggressive guy, and then he kind of toned it back. Now maybe he took a step back toward the other way. Now I don't want him to go all the way back to the aggression, but I don't want him to stay in the game managing. So if he can play like he has this weekend, then they're going to be a lot tougher team to beat than they were when Allen was was polarized to either to either side. If you do you, do you, do you follow? I yeah. I'm, because what many of us were really concerned of was we didn't see this quote-unquote cowboy Josh Allen for so long. We didn't see him taking chances downfield. We didn't see him pushing the ball deep downfield for so long that we were concerned that Brian Dable or whoever may have coached it out of him. That was a, that was a very liable concern and one that I had myself. I was worried that this play style was coached out of Josh Allen because, in my opinion – this play style of his, the aggressive play style that can push the ball downfield, that can run out of the pocket, make plays, die for the pile on, whatever you want to call it, that is what will make Josh Allen great. That is what separates Josh Allen from everybody else. The plays where he throws it over a defender's head and right in front of another, right into the hands of John Brown for a 40-plus yard touchdown, those are the plays that make Josh Allen great. The ones where he escapes from the pocket and dives for the pile on, those are what will make Josh Allen one of the better quarterbacks. There's nothing saying that Josh Allen can't be one of the better quarterbacks. You take playmaker Josh Allen, you add in the efficient player that we have seen the last five, six weeks, and you will start to see Josh Allen's ceiling climb substantially. His floor is getting higher and his ceiling is getting higher by the week. I think a, se- a season and a half into this guy's career, and we don't know what his ceiling yet is, that, that, that is most certainly important to knowing where he is in his development. And you look at where he's come from. Because this was certainly one of the quarterbacks that had the longest development curve coming from Wyoming, coming from JUCO, all of the things that he had to, had to come from after his situation in college. He gets drafted by the Bills. Everybody thinks he's going to be a bust, whatever you want to say. And you look at what he has done since he walked into one Bills drive, and you look at the, you look at the progress he has made. It is certainly promising. And one thing that sometimes fans have a hard time differentiating from is a developing quarterback while also trying to win. There's not many teams that have that opportunity. There's not many teams that are blessed enough to have a quarterback that just so happens to find it just so happens to have the plays click for him at this stage in his career. While the team also has manageable contracts also has a boatload of talent around him. I'm not saying the bills don't have any talent, but I'm not saying they have a substantial amount of talent. And if you ask me, Josh Allen has made, has made John Brown a better receiver than we have seen John Brown be any other season of his career. And let's not, let's not lose sight of how good of a season John Brown is having. John Brown is currently – he sets his own record every single week. Every single week he has four catches and 50-plus yards. He continuously resets his record of weeks – or of consecutive weeks that he has that stat line. And he's also on pace to have 1,300 yards, which would be the first Bills receiver 
in damn near 20 seasons to have 1,300 receiving yards. That's incredible. I can't I, – John Brown is doing things that no Bills receiver has done this millennium. And you can – I'm not saying the Bills have had the best receivers, but you have the likes of T.O. for a season, Stevie Johnson, Lee Evans. Lee Evans was my favorite player growing up. Right. I love you, Lee you, Evans. There's a lot of players out there that, that, that could have done that. Lee Evans was the last 1,200-yard receiver, and I think John Brown's going to eclipse that. And they, the, last, the last time that happened was 13 years ago, 2006. So things are starting to move in the right direction overall for the football team. And I'm very, I think where Josh Allen is with his progression is very promising. Yeah, and the thing is, this was always going to be a, um, a year of progression for Allen. No matter how the Bills season went, this was always going to be a year that Allen really needed to build. And the thing that's exciting is, if you, if, with that being said, if you can go 10 and 6 this year, that's great. You know, I mean, I think we all think that 9 and 7 this year would be a letdown, but also to look at it positively, 9 and 7 in a year where your quarterback has to grow so much is good. That's good. I mean, obviously, I want to win right now. I want the Bills to right, win right now. All Bills. All people in Bill's circles want the Bills to win right now because this is this year with the schedule and the, the weakness of the AFC. This is their chance to do it. But if you want to look at it positively, you go. You have a winning season with a second-year quarterback who has to grow so much, and all the things their offensive has been through this year, and calling for the firing of the offensive coordinator and everything. You know, it's 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 really it's really a remarkable thing. And I know this conversation we're having is a lot different than the one we had last week where we said, oh, you know, the offense sucks. You know, they just lost to the Browns, blah, blah, blah. But I think this week we're looking at the bigger picture, whereas last week we we're looking at it a little more closely. And that, and obviously it's because they lost. You know, we, we, we all people pick out the things that happen in a loss. And now that they had a positive game, we're looking at more of the big picture. Allen is, is looks like he's progressing well. You know, he didn't play horribly against the Browns, but he didn't play great. He played great yesterday. He had 33 fantasy points. John Brown had 34. Brown screwed me. He screwed me. <laughs> I lost by two points. So, you know, it, it's it's really exciting to think about how much Allen is can continue to grow this year and the Bills simultaneously having success. Because for a team like the Jets, where Sam Darnold has to progress a lot this year, two and seven or two and eight or whatever. You know, other, a lot of other teams with young quarterbacks, they don't have that success yet because of the learning curve, whereas the Bills are. So that's exciting, in my opinion. Obviously, in an ideal world, you can have both scenarios. But I'd rather have the Bills finish 9-7 and seven with Josh Allen headed in the right direction and, and, and undoubtedly headed in the right direction than the Bills finish 11-5 and we still have question marks all over the place of what kind of player he's going to be in the future. That's honestly how I feel. Because – one is going to indicate future success, while the other may indicate a fluke season. Because if you go, say the Bills go 11 and 5, and you don't know what Josh Allen is, we're having a far different discussion than we would be if the Bills finish 9 and 7 and Josh Allen has been an absolutely great quarterback that la those last six games. So, yeah, I agree with you. But the thing that makes me hesitant to agree, to agree with the fact I'd rather have the 9 and 7 thing is because. Next year, you got to play the NFC West and the AFC West. You play the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Rams, et cetera, next year. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead, this seems like the easiest – easiest is – I don't know if that's the right word, but easiest opportunity to make the playoffs and make a run at it. So that, that's what's holding me back from saying that. But I agree with you. Obviously, your quarterback's the most player, important player on your team, and teams can't do well without good quarterbacks. But I think 
the direction that Allen's going right now, if he can continue to build off of this week, then I'm not worried about his progression. But then again, he goes out and plays bad this week. We could be right back to square one. So it, it, it's very, um, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster ride with a developing quarterback and one of such with Josh Allen's skill sets and all the, all the things he's had to account for since he's come into the NFL. But the Bills defensive performance on Sunday cannot be overlooked. Absolutely not. Because as I mentioned earlier in the show, the word of the week was fearless. And earlier in the preseason, offseason, whatever it may be, I remember Sean McDermott saying that he wants his defense to be nasty and physical. In this past game, the Bills defense was nasty and physical. And this was honestly, some people might not like this, but this was honestly the first time I've seen the, the Bills absolutely beat the out of an opponent. That was the first time I've seen them out-physical an opponent to the point where the opponent was seemingly given up. You look at what the defense did right from the gate, right from the start of the game. They were popping the Miami Dolphins the whole game. And this is where I want to talk about the Bills' ability, the Bills' defense's ability to evolve, adapt, and, res- and be resilient. Because you look at what happened against the Browns, you look at that second half touchdown that I mean some people want to say that that's why the Bills lost some people want to say that it's not it's the play calling I like I said last week I thought it was the play calling but that is a defense that prides themselves on making stops as such and then you come into Miami and you get seven sacks and you're all over Ryan Fitzpatrick in this offense and you I I think Leslie Frazier called one hell of a football game Leslie Frazier has had a very good season as a Bills defensive play caller and I think this defense, I think they're about to light it, light up right at the right time of the season. Yeah, they really, gave, they really only gave up 13 points um, because of the kick return touchdown. And this is the first time that I've really noticed they had a, a noticeable difference on their uh, pass rush. I thought they had great pressure on the quarterback, like you said, the seven sacks. And I really noticed this week Ed Oliver was getting after it. Um, you know, even Jerry Hughes is getting after it. You know, they, um, Shaq Lawson, they re- – Star Latule made a couple good plays. Holy crap! I was listening to the beginning of the game on the on on uh, the radio because I was driving back here, and they said great play by Star Latule. I'm like Jesus Christ! When's the last time you heard that? You know they get, they get really sack. brought it. Get a sack. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was the most Star Latule sack I've ever seen. Absolutely right. astounding. Oh yeah, he is that the one where Fitzpatrick he just fell on just top fell down? Yeah, just fell on top of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that, but yeah. They looked great, and we talk, And I'll talk about it again. Confidence, just like with your kicker, your defense needs confidence, your offense needs confidence. So let's get confident, and let's go and beat the hell out of the Broncos at home, and then let's go to Thanksgiving and give it our all and see what you get against the Cowboys. You know, they're confident now, and I, th- I believe in McDermott to get these guys playing well at the right time of year because I, I think he's that kind of coach where he can really have the pull on his players like that. I like the whole play fearless um, slogan kind of thing going here. You know, I like them playing with aggression. I like more aggressive play calling. And I'm really, I'm most interested to see what comes out of my mouth next week when we're sitting here, depending on how the game goes, because I'm feeling a lot better right now than I was last week, but there's still a lot of season left to be played. So, right. And while the defensive performance is very promising, while the, whole, the, while the Bills' performance as a whole is promising, I just don't think the run defense is out of the water yet. I don't. Because you went up against 
a running back who had the worst yard per carry in the entire National Football League in Kalen Balaj. And Mark Walton, he's not even with the football team anymore after some personal issues that I'm not really going to get into. But Kalen Balaj had the worst yard per carry heading into that football game. And I can tell you right now, it certainly didn't improve after his performance. I think that's, that's a testament while also to the Dolphins ineptitude in the running game, but also to the addition of Corey Legion. And Corey Legion, he's coming off his first week of full practice as a, as a member of the Bills because he was brought what, – what he was brought in on Wednesday, the week before, headed into the Browns game. And I think this is a very underrated signing that this team made midseason, and I thought it was a very valuable one at that. Because you look at what Corey Legion does for this defense. We talk about the plays that Starla Tule is making. We're seeing him make plays now. We're, see, we're, we're, not, we're no longer seeing him get blown off the ball and – absolutely driven three and a half yards back and just not having gap integrity at all. Now we're talking about Starla Tule having an impact along the interior of the defensive line. We're talking about the Bills defensive line having an impact on how quarterbacks are playing them. And I think that's much credit due to, to Corey Legit because Corey Legit, he had an excellent game against the Dolphins, but Corey Legit, he was getting penetration from the one technique position. He was getting in the face. I think he came away with a sack at one point. And he was getting pressure consistently. I saw it against the I saw it against the Browns, but he had a far lower stat percentage against the Browns than he did against the Dolphins. And I think Corey Legit is definitely going to be an addition that we look back on at the end of the season and say that we were happy that the Bills made that move. And I'm interested to see how the Bills run defense performs this week against the team that can't really throw the ball that well in the Broncos. You know, I mean it's 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 one thing to do it against the Dolphins, but um, doing against a team that has a, a respectable rushing attack in the Broncos, a team that can't really throw the ball a ton, especially going up against the great Bills secondary. I don't think that the Broncos are going to try to throw the ball a ton. So it'll be interesting to see how um, the Bills defense can hopefully improve um, off of this week's performance. Because before before today, they've just been bad. Or excuse me, before Sunday against the Dolphins, they've just been bad. But they had a good game. So it's, we'll see how consistently they can do that. Yeah, that's the one that that's really my main concern going forward is after this game, I can't really tell if this is going to be what we should expect on a weekly basis or if it was just a fluke and the Bills had a good game because in my opinion, either or is really a possibility. And obviously, while I hope it should be an expectation for us as the Bills hope to make a playoff push with a very tough second half of the season upcoming. While I hope that's the case, I can't say that for certain. And it's for the reason that I a reason that I stated on numerous shows that Brian Dable has been consistently inconsistent. Yes, it, him moving up into the press box, that made a difference this week. What I will say is when the Bills were up 37 to 20 and they got the football back, they were at the 40-yard line, they were still throwing it deep. They were still making aggressive play calls. Josh Allen was still trying to stretch the field. And that's the killer instinct that I have not seen from this football team all season long. That is the killer instinct against these inferior opponents that we were so concerned with earlier in the season, that we were so concerned with of how the Bills were beating football teams. And then they come out against the Miami Dolphins. There's about two-thirds of the fourth quarter left. You have the ball. It's 37-20, and and you're taking shots downfield. That is something I'm excited for. That kind of killer instinct 
that kind of mindset. Now that's fearless. I'm not talking about just playing fearless. I'm talking about calling plays fearless. That is fearless. That is coaching to win and dominate your opponent. And that is something I haven't seen from this Bills offense, or quite frankly, a Brian Dable offense, his entire coaching career. And if that's the 180 that this offense is about to take, then get ready, Bills Mafia, because the Bills are about to make a run. And I challenge the Bills offense to come out and do it again this week. You know, they shut us up for a week. Come out and do it again. You're not playing the best defense in, in the league this week. You're playing a good defense. Go out and do it again. Show us you can do it repeatedly. Then I'll get really excited. Right. And with that, I'm going to give my keys to victory against the Denver Broncos because this is, this is a very scary opponent. And while they're quarterback, pretty bad. They're pretty bad. Brandon sucks. Allen. Yeah, sucks. That, that's putting it nicely. My, my keys to victory on the offensive side of the ball, you have to capitalize on opportunities. When this defense makes a play against an inexperienced quarterback, or if your defense gets a turnover, whatever have you, they get a three and out, whatever it may be, capitalize on the opportunity. Because you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get against this good defense. And this, that's exactly what the Denver Broncos defense is. They're very good. They're fourth in the league in yardage allowed, and the Bills are third. They're very comparable to the Bills as far as how they win and how they play football games. And contain Von Miller. Von Miller has been, quite, has been a little quiet this year. He only has 11 pressures, 11 quarterback hits, five sacks. That's still very – he can still wreck a game plan. He is one of the better pass rushers in the National Football League, and he is something you, someone you certainly have to account for in a football game. And on offense, don't allow last week to be a fluke. Have consistency. Have that killer instinct. Run the ball down these guys' throats. Have Von Miller play who at what, whatever side he's lining up against. If he's lining up against Cody Ford or if he's lining up against Deion Dawkins, make him play honest. Make him have to play honest to the point where he's not just pinning his ears back and going in Josh Allen's face. And on defense, you have to bottle up Lindsey and Freeman. They are going to feed these two running backs all game long because, like I mentioned, Brandon Allen, he's an inexperienced quarterback after Joe Flacco went to the injured reserve and Drew Locke's also on injured reserve. So he's an inexperienced quarterback that the, that the Broncos definitely didn't plan on playing this season. So they're going to feed these two running backs and the Bills had a solid game last week along the interior. You have to be consistent in that area as well. And that leads into my next point. Take advantage of Brandon Allen. Force mistakes, similar to how the Bills were forcing Ryan Fitzpatrick into making mistakes. They rushed him into throwing the football sooner than he'd like to. It didn't lead to an interception, but it certainly led to the Dolphins having stalled out drives. It certainly led to him skipping the ball in front of wide receivers. So force Brandon Allen into making mistakes so that your offense has a chance to capitalize on opportunities that you give them. And keep Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton under wraps. Noah Fant is certainly a playmaker, and he's very comparable to what, he is, to what Dawson Knox has done so far this season despite having 14 more targets. But keep Noah Fant and Court and Sutton under wraps, and I think the Bills are overall a better football team. And after last week's confidence-building victory, I think they're going to win this one at home by a score of 20 to the 13. Well, I agree with you that you need to take advantage of the weak quarterback. I mean, anytime, um, anytime the opposing team has a young quarterback that shouldn't be an NFL starter, you need to beat those teams. You need to beat teams that don't have good quarterbacks. Um, I think we're going to see what Cody Ford's made of this week. I think that the Broncos are going to try to get that matchup going as much as they can. Ford's probably going to have to play the whole game. And I think that the Broncos are going to have Von Miller on him as much as they possibly can. Um, Ford being a rookie, Miller obviously a, a veteran. Um, 
I've, I'm not saying I don't think Ford can do it, but I think he's really going to have to man up this week and at least control that matchup. You don't have to dominate the matchup, but at least control it. Um, I think it's going to depend on how many points Buffalo offense can score. And this is the first game of the year. I don't really feel confident picking either team. It's one of the games that the Bills quote unquote should win. We know how those go, but I'm picking the Bills at home 23 to 13. Should win. What, 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 didn't I say the Browns game was a should win? I think, yeah, I think you did, but I was not confident in the Bills to win that game. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I, like, I've had a feeling about every game so far this year. I don't have a feeling about this one. I think the Bills will win, but I could very easily see them losing because this is that's what the Bills do, you know? This is a very interesting matchup. It's very comparable to the one the Bills had earlier in the season when they played the Tennessee Titans because you saw a very similar story of the tale of the tape with the stats. You saw an off- two offenses that kind of struggle. They're both – right next to each other in just about every single statistic. And then you saw a defense that was plus or two plus plus or minus two in every statistic as far as rankings are concerned. And now it's a very similar story again. And I originally thought this was going to be a 20 to 17 game. And then went before the show, Jeff reminded me, Hey, that's Brandon Allen starting back there. I don't think he's scoring that many times against the bills. I'm like, Hey, you're right. You know, I, and yeah, I I'm confident against the Broncos. And as you said, this is another one of those games that the Bills should win. But mm-hmm. it's also, the, I think most importantly, this is a must win. And I think this football team knows that. It is a must win with the tougher ladder portion of the schedule. Because if you lose to the Broncos, now you have to beat the Baltimore Ravens. You have to beat the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have, to beat the Ste- you have to beat the Cowboys. You have to beat one of these teams. that I'm not saying the Bills can't beat those football teams. I'm just saying it's not as probable and as it would be playing the Denver Broncos because you're you have you are hosting a young inexperienced invaluable quarterback this week your defense must force turnovers it must take advantage of his inexperience and you must put your offense in a position to succeed and the offense must capitalize on those opportunities yeah like I I I don't I wanted you to call the must win because I was going to ask you we're calling it a must win because I didn't want to be the one to say it but it's tough to say because when you say it's a must win, people at you when it's week 12. I, it is a must win because let, let's call it what it is. If the Bills don't drop that game against the Browns, this is no longer a must win. They yeah. dropped the game against the Browns and virtually every AFC opponent going forward minus New England is a must win. New England mm-hmm. ca- can be a must win if the Bills are competing for the AFC East title, but I don't believe they will be. And I don't think you – I think that – if you beat the Broncos, you are preventing either the New England game, the Baltimore game, the Steelers game. I think the Steelers and the Cowboys are beatable. I 110% believe that those teams are beatable, but the, I, I don't, I'm not as confident against, the, Steelers, against the, the Patriots or against the Ravens. So you are preventing one of those more difficult opponents, more difficult matchups from being a must win if you come away victorious against the Broncos. I think any game where you're playing an inferior opponent, a quote-unquote inferior opponent in your conference, that is a must-win because it's just like what we talked about when the Bills played the Titans earlier this season. You prevented yourself from having a hairy situation going, coming into the end of the season because that's a football team that somehow, some, some way, somehow, always finishes 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. They're always in the hunt. And now you took care of business the only way you could. You don't have to rely on any kind of tiebreaker. You don't have to rely on any team that, that would beat them or whatever have you. 
and you have the head-to-head tiebreaker if it comes down to you and them when it comes playoff time. Take care of the Broncos, not because of the situation in which the Broncos are going to make a playoff push, but because of the situation you have with Oakland breathing down your neck, Kansas City's falling off a little bit. You got, I forget who else, you got the Colts, the Jaguars, the Texans. There's a lot of teams that are contending for that five and six seed. And you must take care of an AFC opponent this week if you hope to hold on to either of those spots. Yeah, controlling your own destiny is huge. Absolutely huge. And that's, it's what you, it's, you don't want to have to rely on something to happen like happened last time the Bills made the playoffs. You know, with the Andy Dalton thing, you want to control your own destiny. And the, the way you do it is by beating teams like the Broncos. All right, Jeff, here we are at the conclusion of the show. It's been a fun one this week. Please tell the people where they can find you. you can find me on Twitter at RealJUVino, R-E-A-L-J-U-V-E-I-N-O. And don't forget to follow the Cold Front Report on Twitter, Instagram, and like our Facebook page. That's at Cold Front Report on Twitter, at Cold Front Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, and Cold Front Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter as well, at CFR Clayton. That's CFR, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. Thank you all for listening, and this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front.